You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and listeners, we have got an equine nutrition special for you. And I have got a brilliant guest who is going to impart her wisdom on us and give us some really, really good advice in terms of making sure that our horses have everything they need in order to feel their best and, of course, perform at their best as well. Um, She is an equine nutritionist and it is none other than Dr. Kanye Cubitt. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us on the show. What an introduction. I hope I can live up to the hype, but I'm excited to be here. I have absolutely no doubt that you will. Um, First of all, just give us a bit of background on you and your experience. So a little bit about me. I moved to America in 2001 to go to grad school, and I did a master's and PhD in equine nutrition at Virginia Tech. And I was never meant to stay. My mom said, there's one rule, don't get an American boyfriend. And now we are in 2023 and I have two kids and a farm and a husband and I'm a dual citizen. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Very good at listening to your mom. Yes. Um, is it? I mean, it's so, it's so it's one of those things, isn't it? Actually, moving halfway across the world, but actually, a uh, whole new adventure, and I, I imagine very much a second home to you now. Um, and yes. best of both worlds. Yes, Dual it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, right. Feeding our horses because I sometimes find that this feels like a bit of a minefield, and everybody has an opinion, don't they, on what we should oh, yes. be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and oh, there's so much choice out there. Um, so really, I guess first of all, talk me through and talk us through the basics. Um, so in terms of feeding our horses, kind of the basic principles that we should keep in mind right at the beginning. Uh, And you're absolutely right. It is a minefield. There are so many choices and everybody's free to give opinions. But ultimately, the most important thing that you feed your horse, if you look at like the food pyramid for feeding horses, forage, hay, pasture, the fibrous part part of the horse's diet, it doesn't matter whether they're an elite level event horse, a pony club horse, you know, doing low level trail riding, that is the most important part of the horse's diet. And unfortunately, I think some people don't pay enough attention to that. It's like, oh, that's just what I get. I get it from a local farmer. And they get caught up in the supplements and the feeds and all the kind of the top dressing, my PhD professor used to call everything other than hay or pasture a supplement. It kind of confuses people. But really, the only reason you feed anything else is to complement what you are not able to get out of the hay or pasture that you're feeding. How much should that make up of a sort of a horse's diet? So it really, you know, we can look at, we can use rules like 80, 20, 70, 30, but ultimately um, I look at the body weight of the horse and then there are some general rules. Like we would like to feed anywhere between one and a half to two and a half percent of the horse's body weight should come from hay or pasture. And typically most people don't have access to adequate pasture to supply all the fiber requirements so we talk we're talking really about hay 
So if we're thinking about our 1,100-pound event horse, most of them are running in that category. Um, we're talking anywhere from 15 to 25, 30 pounds of hay per day. Crikey, that's a lot of hay, isn't it? It is, but it's so, really, really important. So how do we So how do we actually measure it? You know, my horse goes out in the field and I give him a bit of hay. How do I measure how much is he's actually eating in that respect? Is there a way of measuring it that's simple? Yes. Uh, and people are going to say, oh, I don't want to do this every day. But ultimately, the best thing to have in your feed room is a cheap kitchen scale. And as far as weighing hay, you can't really put that on a kitchen scale, but you can get the little luggage scale. And ultimately, you don't have to weigh the feed or the hay every single time you go out there. But as horse owners, when we're or people in charge of feeding horses, we need to get a better understanding for what does a pound or five pounds or where where you and I are from, if it's what does a kilo feel like or a couple of kilos, what does it feel like? And then based on that, okay, now I know I have to feed 15 pounds or 20 pounds. Um, I can spread that out over the day. So I think we have to start out by having a better understanding of what that feels like. And so if you don't know, you really should weigh it. Um, and when we're getting into uh, higher level performance, it gets really, really important that we know exactly what we're fueling our animals with. It's one of those things, isn't it, that I think probably sounds quite intimidating. <clears throat> and certainly when you were sort of saying, you know, we want to know how much they're eating every day, I was thinking, crikey, that's quite feels like quite a big job. But actually, if we measure it once and we know that X number of slices or X amount in a certain manger or something like that, or a feed scoop is a certain amount, then actually we can kind of rely on that a little bit more. And Absolutely. as you say, you, you know, you you know that um, if you measure something five times, by the time you do it the sixth time, you're probably going to be pretty close to it. Absolutely. And with the hay, like, yes, you're right. You then start to get to realize oh, that flake or biscuit of hay is a little lighter than normal. Maybe I should give two or, oh, it's really heavy. I should only give one. So it really is important. And this is kind of off topic, but over the last three years, I would say it doesn't matter what type of horse it is. One of the most common questions I have gotten is, how do I decrease my feed bill? Everything is so expensive. Doesn't matter what country you live in, everything is so expensive. And Cutting corners will never save you money. In the long run, it will always cost you money. What saves you money is not wasting money. So knowing exactly how much you're feeding, whether it be your hay, your supplement, your concentrate, your grain concentrate, and weighing it correctly and only feeding what you need to and not just overfeeding is going to save you in so many different ways. Save you because you're not wasting feed and you're also not creating a fat horse, which then in itself has its own set of problems you have to pay for. Is it almost quality over quantity as well? You're better to pay a little bit more for good quality feed. So say you're buying your hay in to buy good quality hay that you can trust. So when I talk about quality hay, bad quality is always the same. Dirt, dust, rats, weeds, sticks, whatever shouldn't be in there. That's always bad quality hay. Good quality hay comes down to what is appropriate for the horse that I'm feeding. And so let's say I have a really easy keeping quarter horse that um, I'm campaigning and it doesn't take a lot of food for him. 
And then you have a thoroughbred who is a really hard keeper and you need to feed a lot. Our goal is mimic, when we're talking about forage, our goal is mimicking grazing behavior. So I don't want horses to be without something to chew on for more than four hours because we know that about at about six hours of nothing in the stomach, we start to see reddening, i.e. then we're starting the whole inflammation, gastric ulcer story. Um, so that means that if I have a, an easy keeper that you know looks at hay and gets fat, then a hay that's got a lower nutritional value is the most appropriate for that horse so that I can still continue to feed frequently and feed him enough to keep his gut healthy. But for your horse, yes, we need to start looking at a hay that has a higher nutritional value. So for me, quality and nutritional value, I try to separate because quality is what's most appropriate for the horse I'm feeding. And who can I ask or how can I check the quality of the new or the nutritional value really the only way to truly test the nutritional value of the hay is to send it away and in america we have several options um really the gold standard is a place called equa analytical in ithaca new york and it costs anywhere from say i think 28 dollars to 50 dollars to send away a sample of hay and have them send you back a forage report now if you're not used to reading those you're going to look at it and think oh my God, this is gobbledygook. I don't know what to do with it. But that's when you work with your veterinarian or a nutritionist to help you analyze what it means. And we're going to look at things like the amount of calories or energy, the amount of protein that's important for a performance horse, the amount of vitamins and minerals, and then also the fiber fractions. They're going to tell you how palatable or digestible the hay is. And I guess once you know all of those things, then you can make a really clear plan as to what is most appropriate for your horse. Absolutely. Um, in terms of kind of the the season and the calendar as it falls, mm. I mean, starting off with, I imagine when this podcast is released, lots of people will have their horses back in work and will be kind of building up to the season. But I want to come on to that in just a second. I want to start with feeding our horses on their holidays. So say they're having a break, um, whether it be a winter break, whether it be a shorter break in the sort of the mid season, and, and I'm kind of giving them a much quieter couple of weeks. What should I feed my horse um, during that holiday? Do I just cut it right back? Or should I still be offering them additional supplements to as I would be when they are in more work? Okay, so Always we have to have goals. And again, to utilize every season, every part of the year has a purpose. So this is the off season. Now, maybe your horse is recovering from an injury. Horses that have an injury have the nutrient requirements. So if it's a traumatic injury, at least, they have the nutrient requirements of a horse doing light exercise. So you don't want to completely cut them back. But what maybe your goal is, I really want to put a little bit more weight on this horse. He's he's really come out of the the season, the riding season, he lost a bit of weight and I want to prime him and get him ready for the upcoming season. So I'm going to use this time to put a little bit more weight on him. Or am I going to take some weight off? Because I felt like he was just going through that season a little heavier and there was a lot more wear and tear on his joints. So you have to ask, what are your goals for this time off. It's not just time off where they're resting. You might have things that you want to do during that time. Maybe it's improved their hair coat. I mean, there's so many different things it could be. And those are going to change uh, 
the direction you go. Ultimately, I would say the biggest misconception in the off season is to just cut the feed way back. Ideally, you can change the feed and don't be afraid to change the feed. Maybe during the season, you need to feed a higher calorie, um, kind of the black bag that's got more calories and energy in it to give your horse the stamina to get around some of those upper level courses or even lower level courses and you just need some more go. But it, And then and you might be, say, feeding six to 10 pounds a day of that. And the minimum feeding rate on said bag might be five pounds. And then in the in the off season, you say, oh, I'm just going to feed the same feed, but I'm going to feed three pounds a day of it because I'm not riding as much and I don't want them to, to gain weight or have all that extra energy. In doing that, if the feeding rate, minimum feeding rate was five pounds and you cut back to three, you're nearly half, you're nearly cutting in half the vitamins and minerals. Just because they're not exercising doesn't mean they still don't have a requirement for those vitamins and minerals. So what you're better off doing is, especially if you're feeding a much higher potency feed during the competition season, is finding a feed that you can switch to in the off season that is going to be fed at a lower, the, the feeding recommendations are a lower rate. And then that means that that product is going to be more concentrated, give you all the nutrition you need, but in less quantity and with less calories. That makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, okay, so we are bringing our horses back in from their holiday and we are steadily increasing their workload. Um, we've been very happy with them They've come back in looking very well in themselves. Um, they're kind of quite on their toes. They're ready to go. Maybe we've given them their first clip of the year and therefore they're feeling ultra, ultra fresh. Um, so how do I go about making a call as to when to change from that feed that I've been feeding over their holidays to start to build up to what I'm going to be feeding them in the light of the season? I would say you're you just slowly and unfortunately I can't give a black and white answer. Do it at 13 days and 26 minutes of your intro program. You know, it's every horse is going to be different and every horse is going to come back into work slightly differently because ultimately it's not really about the horse. It's about our schedules as well. Most people have jobs and they have other things that they're contending with. And it's not just about riding horses. So, you know, it, it's going to vary depending on the amount of work and the and how fast or how slow you come back into work. Uh, and really, it's going to be more a feel of the horse. I feel him being a little sluggish. Uh, I I want him to get more body weight. Then we're going to really um, move up to the next feed. Always, even though your horse has been on it in the past, make sure that you're making these changes gradually. If you're changing the hay, maybe you take your horse home to your facility during the off season and he's on your hay and then he goes back to the boarding slash training facility during the competition season and they have a different hay. Hay also needs to be transitioned and some horses are more sensitive than others to transitions in feed and hay. So uh, every horse is slightly different. The other thing is, if you've done this before, this isn't your first rodeo with this horse and you've, you know, this is a second or third year of having an off season and going back in, then you get a, 
get a feel. Keeping a journal is good um, so that you know, okay, well, it was about 30 days in of walk, trot, starting to add canner back in, whatever your program is, um, where last year I felt like I wanted a little bit more when we went to our first show. So I'm going to start a little sooner. Uh, it it's, it sounds like uh, very gray and there's know, a lot of feel. <laughs> there is a lot of feel, but do you know what? You make a really good point because I certainly would be one of those people that would think, oh, I'll remember this. You'll never and remember. You never remember. You get to the following year and you think, hmm, I, I remember did. saying I'll remember I think this. I did. Yeah, I think I don't I remember. around now. But the other thing that I would say, and we we hope that people won't do this, but one of the times that I see what I call sporadic tying up the most is in this window, right? So horses had a break. We know what he was like before his break. So we get some nice weather. He's feeling fresh because he's excited to get back out there because he loves to do what he does. And you think, oh, I'm going to go a little extra. I'm going to go a little harder. I'm going to jump a few more jumps. I'm going to do a longer gallop session or something. And then all of a sudden he's really stiff and you have, you've actually tied your horse up and that's uh, just kind of a generic name for muscle soreness. And there's no genetic predisposition. You don't need to change his diet or anything. What you've done is over-exercised him for his current condition level. And I think um, more amateurs, we fall into that trap a little bit more than some more experienced riders that I know what uh, know how much they can push a horse. But, you know, the sun's out, the weather's nice. I'm on the horse. I go for a longer trail ride. Whatever you're doing, so just be cognizant of um, not over exercising your horse for his actual condition level. Yeah, that's a very good point, to be honest. Um, we've all been there where we think, oh, I'm just tempted to do this. But actually, it's kind of um, looking at the bigger picture at that moment in time. So and it's all of you- us, New Year's resolution. You think, oh, I'm going to get fed. I'm going to go to the gym. And then you stay there for two hours and then you can't walk. And you're like, this is a bad idea. Never doing that again. <laughs> yep, I've 100%, 100% been there, Tanya. I mean, you're literally looking at me and yeah (laughs) uh bad times listeners bad times I'm pretty certain I've told a few stories like that on this podcast before um but it makes a very very good point and I think we have to also remember um the same way as we always do with our horses you know if we're not asking them to go and do crazy things then we shouldn't be asking ourselves to do crazy things either um how do we monitor our horse's condition and how they're going through the season so as maybe you know we're, we're looking at perhaps um, some one-day events in the spring, and then we're looking as we get towards the fall, a few bigger events and maybe even a long-format event. How do we make sure that our horses stay in great condition throughout the whole season? As far as conditioning, I mean, you can use things like heart rate and ha- and what's their resting heart rate, and then we know what their exercising heart rate is. And so these are other cues to always take note of. whether it be what is your horse's pulse what is their uh breaths per minute what is their heart rate when they're resting what is it when you're 
exercising? And then how long does it take for your horse to come back to his, you know, close to his resting heart rate or breaths per minute or pulse rate? These are just criteria that we would use in human exercise physiology as well. And they can be a bit of a more scientific guide for um, condition level and stamina. And really, it's how quickly you can recover. And horses, unlike other animals, um, this gets a bit sciencey, but it's the reason why you can't carb load a horse. So if you decide you want to run a marathon tomorrow, I'm going to tell you today you can eat all the pasta you want because you have got a carb load up to have fuel to run that marathon tomorrow. You can't do that with a horse. They're really, and they're also, they have to be adjusted and adapted to the food that they are going to be utilizing for the competition. Um, and you also, when we use that glucose out of the the muscle, we, it's called glycogen when it's in the muscle, but it's very hard to replace that in a horse. Um, it's very slow. So as we condition them, we can speed up that glycogen replacement so that they have stamina to keep going. And especially if we're doing multiple, um, in a one day event, you're doing it all in one day. If you're doing three day event, you know, you've got a little bit more time for recovery, but the actual activity done is a little more intense than uh, at lower levels. So there, there are some more scientific ways to kind of measure recovery and stamina. And then there are certain <clears throat> supplements that you can add. Chromium is a supplement that can help them get that glycogen back into the muscle so that they can recover more quickly. Uh, but that's when you get up to the higher levels as well. So if I'm just competing at a lower level, um, maybe novice, beginner novice, um, whatever level that may be, and I've been to an event, should I be giving my horse anything to help aid their recovery? Is that something I should be doing or... No. Yes. I mean, it depends also on the age of the horse. Um, older horses, it's going to be a little harder to recover. And chromium is a nat, it's something easy. It is a natural uh, nutrient in the horse's diet. And there's a lot of research, as I'm always kind of leaning towards things that are uh, scientifically backed. Natural vitamin E, because you think about exercise also is inflammatory. And so anything that's going to, at the at our lower levels, um, maybe our horses aren't as conditioned as the upper levels, and but we're doing less exercise, but it still causes inflammation. And that's not a bad thing, but things like uh, natural vitamin E, making sure the diet is balanced with selenium, feeding after exercise um, to replenish those nutrients that are lost and get those back into the system. These are all going to help with recovery. Um, <clears throat> if you have an older horse, even something simple like fish oil is going to have those omega-3 fatty acids that help with inflammation. Again, we're trying to decrease that inflammation. So who can I ask for help? If I'm listening to this and thinking vitamin E, selenium, like all of these different words, and I'm thinking, God, I'm a little bit... I'm lost, confused. I'm lost, yes. I, what, <laughs> you know, who can I go to, who should I go to for help to give me some advice on what I can do for my horse to keep them in great condition? The first place that most people go is their veterinarian, right? And, and some vets have actually a lot of nutrition knowledge and some have enough to get by, 
so you can t- talk to your vet if they feel comfortable advising you on nutrition, then that would be a great place to start. Um, otherwise, if you use a certain brand of feed and you have gotten a good relationship with the, your feed representative, they that's a good place to start. They can probably get you in touch with the nutritionist for that company. So myself, I have lots of different companies that I work with, and that is a value-added service that those companies offer to their clients. As those clients can talk to me, I can help balance diets, answer questions, or you can just Google uh, independent nutritionists. And I would say that there's a lot of people out there that call themselves equine nutritionists, but do look for one that has a PhD in equine nutrition, just kind of like an added level of quality control for you that they didn't just kind of get a, a Google yeah. um, degree. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's just part of the team and you find somebody that you can trust. And, uh, whilst the internet is great and you can always ask questions, be careful of getting into some of the forums and asking out blanket questions to random people you don't know. Cause like we said at the very beginning, everybody's going to give you their opinion. Nobody really knows the full story of your horse. Um, like you do or working closely with your veterinarian or nutritionist. And so they're going to give you some crazy advice, uh, that may or may not help. So yeah, I, I think social, social media yeah. is, um, a whole different ball game and oh, yes, yeah. Some people might have some great advice, but you know what? Actually, there'll be plenty that perhaps isn't relevant and would be best avoided. Um, It was interesting, actually, because at the start of the show, before we started recording, uh, we were chatting a little bit about feed companies. And actually, it's one of those things that given import, export and and everything else, actually, a lot of the, the feed companies in the UK are very different to the feed companies in the US. I mean, I think from from companies over here, Conley's Red Mills is probably the one that that most people in America might be familiar with. That's um, because they have global distribution. Mm-hmm. Whereas everywhere over here, if you rang up any of the feed companies, whether it be Dodson and Horrell, Bailey's, um, Gain, Equine Nutrition, any of them, they would all have a dedicated panel of nutritionists that would be yes. sort of an advice line as such that you could ring them up and say this is my horse. This is what I'm looking to do with it. This is what I currently feed. This is what I'm currently finding. You know, what do you recommend? Um, And actually, even if you have a a fairly simple, small question, they'd probably be able to give you a pretty good line of advice straight away. Obviously, if you're looking to change feed, then that maybe requires a little bit more of an independent eye. But I would say it's the same here in America as well. Um, And if you're So one of my kind of guides for, is this a feed company that I would want to work with, that I would want to feed to my horse would be if I was able to call a 1-800 number and get simple questions asked, are they transparent? Are they going to tell me about the feeds and the ingredients and some of the quality control practices? Do they have a PhD nutritionist that can advise me on some of the higher level questions or diseases that I might have questions about? Absolutely. So it's similar here. And I guess the the final one is um, keeping it close to home. If you've got a trusted trainer, actually your trainer knows you they know your horse and they know the level at which you're competing and they've probably watched plenty of your competition videos they've heard you tell them all about your competition um 
and they'd be probably very well placed as well to give you a little bit of advice. Um, if we were to go away from this podcast and our listeners were to take three things, say, from you that you would really like them to to keep in mind moving forwards that will help them keep them, their horses in great condition, what would they be? Number one, number two, and number three are don't forget the forage, don't forget the forage, don't forget the forage. But I'll give you two others. So really the forage is the thing that is overlooked the most. It's not fed enough. It leads us into uh, four or five other podcasts we could do about gastric ulcers and colic and laminitis. Um, So right there would be your forage. Um, Choosing the correct feed for your horse not necessarily what your neighbor feeds or what someone you aspire to be feeds their horse. You need to feed a feed that is appropriate for your horse in the situation that you're in right now. Uh, Maybe he's a little hot and you want a slightly lower sugar starch feed, or maybe he needs the energy. Don't be afraid of adding carbohydrates if he's a little slow and you want to give him some more pep. Um, And when you're looking at adding things to the diet, you really need to look at the total diet, right? Don't go down a rabbit hole and think, you know, that that one little supplement is going to make or break the whole um, scenario. You've got to look at the whole diet in the food pyramid, the hay and pastures in the bottom. Then we've got our, our grain concentrate, which sometimes doesn't have grain in it. And then our supplements are at the very top. So um, just make sure you're feeding what is appropriate for your horse and, and not necessarily every other horse in your barn okay forage and looking at the bigger picture as well yes yes um number three did i miss number three are they no number three could be you know there are and we didn't really get into it but as far as like the additives that i or or things that probably for performance horses are the most common problems are gastric ulcers and we didn't really talk about that but um you know high fat high fiber type diets if there's an ingredient in feeds that you might want to seek out it's the marine derived calcium and that is going to really help with gastric ulcers um super fibers high fat we didn't really get into any of those, but they are kind of some key words that you listeners might want to investigate a little bit more as far as um, kind of key areas of the diet to look at. When it comes to gastric ulcers, because I appreciate probably a whole different show in itself, but when it comes to, to ulcers, how much of it is feed related? Oh, well... I would say horses in the wild very rarely get ulcers, right? It's a man-made issue because everything we do with horses stresses them. Everything we do with horses is foreign. We meal feed them. We feed them stored forages. They live in boxes. They go and drive around the country and fly. So everything is stressful. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily all feed related, but it's human related. It's management. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, listeners, I hope that there is something in there for you to take. I, I think certainly looking at the the takeaways from this, forage, 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 remember the F word, and Tanya yes. will be very, very pleased with you. Um, it's a really important reminder, though, isn't it, that actually sometimes we just have to look at the basics first. If you look after the basics, and then the other things follow much more easily, much more naturally, um, and hopefully 
you end up with a, a better result at the end of it as well. So look, I hope you found it useful. Um, if anybody would like any advice uh, from you specifically, where could they find you? They can find me at performancehorsenutrition.com. We have a 1-800 number and an info uh, email that you can um, ask questions to and we can get back with you. There you go. Um, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you found something useful from it as well. Certainly one of those shows that actually, when you listen to it, uh, even if you knew plenty of this already, is always a timely reminder. And we can all we can all do with a little reminder here and there as well. Um, Tanya, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Listeners will be back very soon with lots more on the USCA official podcast. We've got plenty in store, actually, and it won't be too long until we have our first team talk show of 2023. So stay tuned for that in the next few episodes. For now, though, thanks for listening. It's goodbye. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.